Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Hello. My name's Greg. You know, churches are weird places sometimes. Did you know that? There's a man called Adrian Ploss who wrote a book called The Sacred Diary of Adrian Ploss. And he talked about some of the weird experiences he's had in church. The one was he went to a church and he was listening to the sermon and at one point in the sermon the pastor said the word lust and he happened to duck his head down. He might have, I don't know, dropped something. And three people came and gathered around him and laid hands on him and prayed for him to be delivered from lust. And another time he was in a church and a person comes up to him with this weird kind of expression on their face and a weird um, voice. I have a word from the Lord for you, brother. And he said, oh, okay, what is it? And he said, I, I see a dartboard and there's a, an octopus on the dartboard and a dart has been thrown into the octopus. I pray that blesses you, brother. And he said he was just left completely confused. Christians can be weird. Isn't that true? We are weird. Most of us. And our language. The honest ones. Some of the words we use, you know the phonetic alphabet, whether alpha, bravo, foxtrot, Charlie, you know all that kind of the way that uh, military people talk. I sometimes think we as Christians must seem like we're talking another language to, to people. They come in and we say, you know, the, let, me, let me just think of some of the words. I don't want to offend anyone. Washington. Blessing, decree, Papa, Lord, season, overflow, anointing. I mean, it's just weird words just start flowing out of our mouths. And you can imagine a visitor thinking, what language is this? And I want to talk about tongues today because if you ask people about what is weird about Christianity, a lot of people think this idea of tongues is the ultimate weirdness. There was a politician in America recently... A lady politician, she was fairly, I think she was running for president, vice president, so I don't know. That's right. She was going to be John McCain's vice president. And she admitted that she spoke in tongues. Boy, she got nailed by the media. I mean, she was just completely um, criticized. And I can see why, because it is a weird idea. If you're visiting here today and you don't even know what I'm talking about, the idea of tongues is that in the Bible, it mentions that at certain times, people started speaking in languages that they didn't know, they hadn't learned. And um, today it happens as well, more and more. I spoke last week about how tongues was very, very seldom seen in, in Christian circles until about 1906, when it just came back into the church and has just been steadily growing and growing since then. And very many non-believers or visitors or people who are seldom in church or maybe from more traditional churches, they hear about tongues and they think, this is just cuckoo. This is weird. I'm happy to come to church. I'm happy to sit in my seat. I don't want to lift my hands. No, I'm not happy for that. I might clap a little bit and just a bit of a hip movement, a little bit. And I will sing and read from a book, and I might have some tea afterwards, but don't get weird on me. <laughs> and that's fine. I understand. You know, even Paul the Apostle wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, 
He said, if a non-believer or a visitor comes into your service and you are all babbling in tongues, he will think you're out of your minds. He actually says those words. He says, you'll, they will think you're out of your minds. Therefore, think about visitors in your meetings. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, think about them. Be sensitive to visitors. And so that's what I want to do today. If you're a visitor, or even if you're not a visitor, I want to explain to you why this thing exists. Is that okay? You may have wondered why it exists. You may have never really heard about it before. But I want to explain it. So, it all starts in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. You know the story? I don't know if you do. I'm going to go as fast as I can through all of these verses. Now, the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed that they found a plain in Shinar, and they dwelt there. They said to each other, let's build, let's make bricks, bake them thoroughly. Uh, and use asphalt for Malta. Let's build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered over the face of the whole earth. It was, it was human pride. Let's, get, let's show how great we are. And let's make a name for ourselves. Fortify, protect. We can do this. We are great. Humans are strong, clever. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Another version says nothing will be impossible for them. Why? Because they were unified and they had one language. When we are unified and we speak one language, God says even if we're doing something against Him, nothing is impossible for us. We can achieve anything. And we've seen that. Human beings are amazing. But they were doing it for the wrong motives. And so... The Lord um, confused their language, verse 7. Let us confuse their language that they may not understand one another. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Um, Numbers 11. Just stick with me as I go through lots of verses in the Bible because I'm hoping that this will help you and help me. Numbers 11. Um, Moses is the leader of the Israelites and he's struggling to manage all the people. And so God says to him, I'm going to give you 70 helpers. Verse 16, the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you. That's a capital S, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. I will take of the Holy Spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them. That's the 70 leaders. Uh, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. Um, and then a little bit further on. Verse 24, so Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people, placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, spoke to him, took of the spirit that was upon him, placed the same upon the 70 elders, and it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Now this word prophesied basically means speaking not my own words that I've thought up, but God's words that God's given me. And so this very first time that the Holy Spirit is given to a group of people, 
the, the Bible says that they prophesied. They started speaking um, words that were from God. And Moses' little helper called Joshua saw that there were two men of the 70 who hadn't come and they were, st they were prophesying somewhere else. And he ran and he said, Moses, this is bad. Stop them. And Moses said, no, I wish that all of God's people could prophesy and were filled with the Spirit. And Moses was praying God's heart there. He was saying, I want all of God's people to be filled with the Spirit and to prophesy. And later on, Jesus said in two places, Matthew 12 and Luke uh, 6, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's a principle that whatever's in our heart eventually will come out of our mouths. Have you seen that? <laughs> Have you ever seen a person who says, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. But if you stay with them long enough and you listen to their words, you know what's really in their heart, whether they really love Jesus, whether they're committed to Him, whether He is their Lord, or whether actually they've got all sorts of other things in their heart. It's just by their words. Their actions can fool you, their clothing can fool you, uh, they can fool you in a whole lot of ways, but if you listen to their words long enough, whatever's in their heart will come out of their mouths. Can I challenge you? What's coming out of your mouth on a daily basis? If you were to write a diary, would it be grumbling, complaining, negativity, fear, worry, or would it be praise and thanks and words of faith and saying, God is good, God can do it, I trust God, even if the circumstances are different? It's a challenge, isn't it? For all of us. So out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. Um, let's move on. 1 Samuel chapter 10. King Saul was the first king of Israel. And he was going to be made king by being anointed with oil, which is a picture of being anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so in, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, let me start with verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head. And by the way, in the prayer meeting today before the service, uh, one of the people had a picture of God just getting a jug and pouring it out on us today. So there's a, real, there's a real sense that this is God's word for us today. Then Samuel took a flask of oil, flask of oil poured it on uh, Saul's head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, and then Samuel the prophet starts telling him supernaturally a whole lot of things. So then the prophet says to Saul, When you've departed from me, you'll find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelah. And they will say to you, the donkeys, donkeys which you took. And he goes into incredible detail about all the things that will happen to Saul after he leaves this place of being anointed. And then in verse 5 he says, After that you will come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them. And they will be prophesying. Remember, speaking the words of God. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, Saul, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And that exact thing happened. It goes on later to say that um, they then said, they used to say of Saul, Saul is among the prophets now, because the Holy Spirit came on him. Remember, he was just being anointed to be king of Israel, but the Holy Spirit came on him, and the sign of it was he started prophesying, speaking words. How did they know they, that it was God's words? It doesn't explain in the Bible, but I, I think it was tongues. I think it was 
I think it was words that he couldn't have known himself, because otherwise they wouldn't have known if it was prophecy or not. Right, a little bit later, 1 Samuel chapter 19. Now Saul has become a bad king by now, and he's chasing David, who's the new king, the good king. And in verse 20 it says, Then Saul sent messengers to take David. They were trying to capture David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying, because David was hiding in the group of prophets, and they were all prophesying. And it says, when the, the, the soldiers who came to get David saw the group of prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when Saul was told, he sent another group of messengers, and they also prophesied. Then Saul sent messengers again in the third time, and they prophesied also. Then Saul himself went to Ramah and came to the great well, and he asked, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, They're at Naoth. So he went there, and the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. Now listen to this next bit. Talking about weirdness. There's weird stuff in the Bible. You know, God is other than us. He doesn't fit into our little sanitized box of what we want and what we expect. He's great. He's almighty. Amen? He can do what He wants. And when the great Holy Spirit of God, the one that created the universe, comes into... It's like all the electricity power for the whole of the UK comes into a little light bulb like me. There's going to be some weirdness sometimes. A bit of an explosion, a bit of something weird. Listen to what happened. Saul goes there and... Um, Verse 24, and he stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that day and all that night. That is weird, isn't it? You know, people sometimes say to me, oh, God would never make a person fall down. He did to, Sam, to Saul. God would never make a person do something weird. It may not be God but it may just be the great power of God when it interacts with a human. In this case, Saul was not serving the Lord, but it doesn't matter. When the power of God interacts with a human being, sometimes weird stuff happens. Amen? But I want you to notice that prophecy was the sign. The book of Joel, a little bit later, talks about in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It won't just be a few. It won't just be Moses' 70 helpers. It won't just be the king Saul or a few prophets. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that's what happened. And um, in Acts chapter 2, we're going to read the story of that. Because today, in the church calendar, is Pentecost Sunday. And that's when we celebrate what happened in Acts chapter 2. So verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, Pentecost simply means 50 days. It was 50 days after the Passover. They had another feast called, called Pentecost. So 50 days after Passover, um, they were all with one accord in one place. There was unity, 120 of them in a room. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can you imagine the scene? They're sitting there praying, worshipping. They're in one accord. That means they're in unity and purpose. And the Holy Spirit comes and there's a sound like a mighty rushing wind fills the room. Then there appeared to them divided 
Tongues of fire. I think it's quite confusing that it says tongues of fire because it's not talking about languages there. It's talking about the little flickering flame or maybe big flames. I don't know how big they were. But there were flames that came down and rested upon each person and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled. All filled. I want you to imagine if you were one of the 120, one of the 120 people in that room. Nobody was left out. Nobody was left without fire on them. Nobody was left who was not filled with the Spirit. Every single person was filled. Everyone. No one left out. Even the little servant girl called Rhoda, who nobody even knows about except she's mentioned later on. The tiniest of the tiny. Everyone was filled with the Spirit. Not just Peter. Not just John. Not just James. Not just the great ones. Everyone. They were all the same. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. So again, the Holy Spirit comes and words come out out of the overflow of the heart. Verse 5, then they were dwelling, listen to this, this is now reminding us of the Tower of Babel. Verse 5, then they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews and devout men from every nation under heaven. Because of the feast of Passover and Pentecost, God had brought together people into Jerusalem on this day from every nation under heaven. Every language, every nation was there in Jerusalem that day. Is that a coincidence? No. It's the Tower of Babel being restored back. When God scattered them, He's now bringing them back from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Every language in the whole of the world was being spoken. And some other languages that are not human languages. Later it tells us sometimes we speak in the tongues of angels. They were all amazed and marveled and said to one another, Look, these are all Galileans. How is it that we hear them speaking in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, Arabs. Amazing, isn't it? All of them. Reminds me of a joke. An Englishman, an Irishman, and a Frenchman, and a Scotsman, and a Ghanaian, and a Nigerian, and a Swedish. They all went into a bar. And the man says, you can't come in here without a tie. T-H-A-I. That's a terrible joke. Most of you didn't get it. They were all amazed, verse 12, and perplexed and said to one another, whatever could this be? Others were mocking, said they're full of wine, they drunk. Peter stood up and raised his voice and said, men of Judea, all of you guys, listen, for these are not drunk as you suppose. They thought they were drunk. The only explanation for this weird behavior is drunkenness. There's no other reason. Peter stands up and says, they're not drunk. Because it's only the third hour of the day. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He says, what you're seeing here is a fulfillment of what was prophesied by Joel hundreds of years before. And then he quotes Joel. Listen to this quote. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So he's saying this is a fulfillment of that. When the Spirit comes, people prophesy. You say, but they were speaking in tongues. Prophecy is tongues. Tongues is just speaking prophecy in another language. It's still God's words. 
Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. On my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. The sign of the Holy Spirit coming into your heart and filling your heart, the overflow is prophecy, and it may be in another language. And in this case, it normally was. And then he goes on to talk about it. So he was saying the fulfillment of that Old Testament promise is what we're seeing here today. And then last week we looked at how in very uh, all the other occasions where people got filled with the Spirit, the same thing happened. Now why tongues? People say to me, why, why tongues? It's such a weird gift. Why would God use this gift? Why couldn't He choose a gift that was more normal? That wasn't weird. And I'm going to kind of give you a clue. Many of us say, why wouldn't he choose a gift that didn't humiliate me? Didn't make me feel a bit undignified? Maybe didn't impact on my pride so much? Maybe one that I could control a bit better and and seem a bit more normal? And suddenly my eyes open and I realize, oh, God's not interested in my pride, my dignity. He's interested in my humility and my willingness to just receive whatever he has for me. Isn't that right? God says, I'll use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And now I understand. You know, it's always words. The Bible says right at the beginning when God created Everything there is, he did it by words. Whenever there's something physical, it came out of a spiritual realm because of words spoken by God. That's how God takes spiritual things and makes them physical. It's always words. And that's why he tells us to pray. Not so that we can beg to God, but so that we can speak his words and spiritual things come into the physical realm. That's why we prophesy. That's why we preach. It's words, it's words, it's words. It's always God uses words to bring spiritual things into physical. And it's the same with tongues. When we get filled with the Spirit, the way that it comes out into our physical world is through words. Jesus um, said in John 6 verse 63, The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. He was saying that there's this invisible spiritual realm, but when I speak words, you can see and hear the spiritual realm. Words are the way that they come out. All right, let me get a little bit more practical now. Why do we speak in tongues? 1 Corinthians 14 is a lovely passage where Paul is um, explaining how the gifts of the Spirit work. And in 1 Corinthians 12, there's three chapters in this book of 1 Corinthians where he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about nine gifts of the Spirit, things like miracles, healings, faith, prophecy, tongues, interpretation. But he says in 1 Corinthians 12, bear with me, there's three chapters. The first chapter, he's talking about gifts that are to be used in public settings, in in church use. All of those nine gifts, he says, are for the common good. He says, in the church, God has given all these gifts. And then he says, do all have the same gift? No, we're a body, we all have different gifts. But in the church, all of those nine gifts are supposed to be being used. Then 1 Corinthians 13, the middle chapter, he talks about love as the 
if you don't have love, even if you speak with tongues and you prophesy, then it's just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It means nothing. He says you've got to have love when you're using these gifts. But then in the last of the three chapters, 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about how personal tongues is, is used and how personal tongues shouldn't be used in public settings. So the tongues that he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 14 is a personal gift. It's the only one of the nine gifts of the Spirit that is for personal use. It's not to bless others. It's just to bless me. And he says this. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Desire them. Desire strongly spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy. Why prophesy? He says, because he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him in the spirit he speaks mysteries. In other words, this tongues that he's speaking about in, in this chapter 14, this third of the three chapters, he says, it's not to other people, it's not for other people, it's just between you and God. It's a special gift, it's a special language, it's a something kind of intimate between you and God alone that is not for public use. It's just you and God. You're speaking mysteries, he says, to God in the Spirit or with your Spirit. But verse 3, he says, But he who prophesies speaks to men, edification, exhortation, comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. He's saying that it, when I speak in tongues, it's just for me. I'm just building myself up. And then later on in this chapter, he talks about, so what will I do? I will sing with my mind, but I'll sing with the Spirit. I'll pray with my mind, but I'll also pray with the Spirit. In other words, he's saying, when you pray with your mind, you are praying in your normal language, but when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying in tongues. It's not a mental thing. Uh, let me just read you that verse, because it's quite helpful. Verse 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What does that mean? It means my brain is not engaged. I can be thinking about something else because my brain doesn't get involved when I speak in tongues. It's purely my spirit that's giving me the words. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, but I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, but I will also sing with the understanding. So the benefit of tongues is I can pray with my spirit to God. And then I'm just going to read you two more quick verses. Jude, chapter tw verse 20. Jude is the last book before Revelation. Right at the end of the Bible. And he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Where have we heard that before? Well, in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, When I pray in tongues, I'm building myself up. You know, when you go to the gym, you're building yourself up in your muscles, aren't you? When you go to school, you're building yourself up in your mind. How do I build up my spirit, man? How do I build up the Christian part of me, my spiritual strength? He says in 1 Corinthians 14, when I pray in tongues, I'm building myself up. Listen now to Jude. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. When I pray in tongues, I'm building myself up. When I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, not with my mind, praying from the Spirit of God with other words, I'm building myself up in my spirit, and I'm keeping myself in the love of God. It, it gives me a sense that I am 
I'm in God's love. Even if my emotions are telling me I'm depressed. Even if the circumstances are telling me everything's rubbish. When I pray in tongues, I say, I'm in the love of God. I, I'm, I'm one with God. I don't need anything else. Isn't that amazing? And then the last one is Romans 8. Verse 26. It says... Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Can anyone relate to that? You know, I can think I know what I should pray for. How many of you have been to a prayer meeting and you think, oh, we, somebody, somebody prays over there for, I don't know, I don't want to say anything because I might offend someone, but somebody prays for, I don't know, their dog that's got a sore foot or something. And we're thinking, oh, that we shouldn't be praying for that. We've got more important things to pray for. should be praying for revival or for the lost or for whatever. Maybe I'm the only one who's been in a prayer meeting like that. Oh boy, here we go. Sister Susie again praying about her, I don't know, whatever it is, her bunions or whatever it is. But <laughs> says, we don't know what we should be praying for, but praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit helps us. He makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, when I'm praying in tongues, or sometimes it comes out as groanings, he says it's the Holy Spirit praying through me. And his, what he's saying is, in my mind I don't know what I should be praying for, but when the Holy Spirit prays, it is what I should be praying for. And listen to what he says next. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When I pray in the Spirit, it is God's will. I know that I'm praying God's will. So why do I pray in tongues? It builds me up. It keeps me in the love of God. And I know that I'm praying God's will. That, enough, that alone is enough reason to pray in tongues. You know, for hundreds of years, Christians weren't able to pray in tongues. They tried and they tried and they couldn't. We have the opportunity. The gift has been there all along, but God has revived it in the church and we have the opportunity. So I want to just close now by talking about how we do it. Acts chapter 2, and it's the same chapter we read a, a few moments ago. And verse 4. It says... Please just follow with me. There's just three parts to this verse. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You say to me, you may be here today and you say, well, this is all interesting, but how do I do this? Number one, get filled with the Spirit. Number two, you begin to speak with other tongues. Number three, the Spirit gives you the words that you need. There are three parts. Some people say, oh, I've been trying to get filled with the Spirit for years. I've been trying to speak in tongues for years, but it, it just never happens to me. The goosebumps never come, and the shaking never happens, and the, the, the words never get forced out of my mouth. God doesn't love me. I can't speak in tongues. I want to set you free today. Number one, you get filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? You just say, God, please fill me with your Spirit. He's promised in Luke 11, 11 that everyone who asks Him will receive. Look up that verse later when you're at home. He says, if you ask me, I will give you the Holy Spirit. So number one is get filled. You just say, God, please fill me. And then you just trust. You say, I know that I'm filled. 
Number two, they began to speak. Not God forced them to speak, they began. I have a friend who was in a prayer meeting and somebody was speaking in tongues, but they thought they were making it up themselves. And there happened to be a Chinese person who said, you're actually speaking Chinese. They thought they were doing their own, their own words, making them up, but it was God who was giving them the words. So we begin to speak, and then three, the Holy Spirit gives you the words to speak. And I'm going to mention how that happens in a moment. But before I do, let me just ask you, you remember Peter walked on water. You remember he saw Jesus on the waves. He said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water. Let me ask you this. When Peter was walking on the water, do you think it felt like he was walking normally on land? Did it, did it feel the same, the walking experience? I believe it did. Was God making his legs move left, right, left, right? Or was he walking? He was walking. Did God force him to get out of the boat, to jump and leave the boat and get onto the water and start walking? Or did he make that choice? He did it. It was his will, his legs, his muscles, his body. But was it a miracle? Yes, it was a miracle. But he did it. But God enabled it. In this verse it says, They were filled. They began to speak. They spoke. But then it says, The Holy Spirit gave them the words. And I want to explain to you how this feels very, very quickly. One minute now. When I speak in English, I, the reservoir of my words, where I get the words from is in my head. I, I think of the words in my brain. They're sitting there and I kind of, I, maybe I don't imagine them, but I know where they're coming from. I think of the words and then they come out of my mouth. When you speak in tongues, they don't come from your brain. They're sitting there in an invisible place called your spirit. And they're just waiting. And you won't know they're there. Many people say, when I get a word in my head, I'll say it. But that's not how it works. You start speaking. You say, Lord, I trust that the words are there. I'm going to start using my voice and my lips and my muscles in my mouth. And I trust that the words will come from you. I can't sense them. I have no feeling that they're there. But I'm just going to start speaking and the words start to come. It's the same as Peter. He says, I'm going to start walking. I'm going to trust. And that's how we do it. We start by saying, God, fill me with your spirit. And then we say, thank you that you have. Then we begin to speak, not because the words are in our brain, but because we trust they're in this invisible reservoir called our spirit. And then God gives you the words. And then we start practicing and practicing and speaking more and more and more. And what happens is we get built up in the spirit. We start praying exactly what God wants us to pray. And we keep ourselves in the love of God. And it's a precious gift. In fact, the Bible says it's the start, it's the first gift. Every person who got filled with the Spirit, this was the first gift that unlocked all the other nine gifts. Healing and miracles and faith and prophecy. All these other things come when that first gift opens the, the cork out of the bottle. Then all the other gifts can be used. So I'm going to ask us to stand together. Let's worship the Lord. Perhaps, Jace, if you wouldn't mind just playing. Thanks, bro. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just focus on God with me. Thank you, Lord, that you are, Holy Spirit, that you are the Spirit of Jesus, that you're not a weird force, 
You're not a weird cosmic energy. You are the spirit of a person, Jesus. Holy Spirit of Jesus, thank you that you're here in this room because you promised where two or more gather, you're here in our midst. And Lord, you promised that if we ask you for the Holy Spirit, you will always say yes. Not because we deserve it, but just because you say yes. And so Holy Spirit, we ask you now for your Holy Spirit. Come. Folks, just, just ask Him. You don't have to say a long sentence. You just have to say, Lord, please, would you give me, would you fill me now with your Spirit? To overflowing, not just a little bit. Lord, I want to be filled to overflowing with your Spirit. And as you ask Him, He fills you right now. And then you can just start speaking. Not from your head. Don't use the reservoir of your brain. Just start speaking and trust that the words are there. Even though Peter didn't think there was anything solid underneath. He stepped out anyway. It's the same with you. You don't think there's any words, but you start speaking and you find the words are there. Thank you, God, that I don't deserve this gift. God, I could never deserve the Holy Spirit. Who am I to deserve your Holy Spirit? I can't deserve you, Lord. You're holy and I'm a human. But you give him anyway, Lord. As a promise, as a gift, as a free, kind gift, you give me your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you that I can pray in your spirit, that I can pray your will, that I can build myself up. Thank you for keeping me in your love, Lord. If you're here today and you're just still feeling nervous, I encourage you to just step out of that boat like Peter did. Just step onto the water. Even though there's no words in your mind and there's no evidence that the water will hold you up, just start speaking and watch the Holy Spirit give you the words. It's amazing. And then just keep it going. Say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to choose to pray in tongues regularly, often. I'm going to build myself up. I'm going to pray perfect prayers. And I'm going to see God's power released in my life. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord together. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.